Welcome to the Mostly Pottered at Night. Mostly. I am Salem, joined by my co-host Graveyard. Hello. This is episode 37 of our weekly All Things Horror podcast. Uh, spend a little time with us as we go over two of the most terrifying movies of all time. Yes. Namely, Sleepless in Seattle <laughs> and The Notebook. Yes, these are horrifying movies, to say the least. <clears throat> yes, as you might have guessed, this is our April Fool's episode. <laughs> where we are going over the most terrifying movies of all time, of course. Sleep in Seattle and The Notebook. Um, uh, we're not going to get as in depth into these <laughs> as we normally do, <laughs> as this is, um, you know, just for fun. Um, but we will start with um, Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah, came out in 1993. For you yes. millennials out there, it might feel very disconnected watching this movie because they do have corded telephones. <laughs> What? <laughs> and people like in order to see people, you have to like go see them in real life. It's uh in person. Yeah, it's Damn. rough. It's crazy rough stuff. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh ten thousand foot <laughs> recap <laughs> of Sleepless in Seattle is uh Tom Hanks and America's sweetheart in nineteen ninety three, Meg Ryan. Um, star in this movie where uh, Tom Hanks's uh, wife of I don't know how many years dies, um, leaving him and his son uh, alone. You know, Tom Hanks is not dealing with it well. He, um, you know, moves away from his, you know, from Chicago, his town he lived in to kind of get away from things that he knew reminded him of his wife. And then he calls into some radio show or no, his son calls into the radio show yep. and then makes him talk to the radio person, basically saying he wants his dad to have a new wife because he looks sad all the time. Um, and then every, all these women, I guess, fall in love with his voice, I guess. Um, his, one of them, his story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So his, one of them being basically Meg Ryan, um, you know, hijinks ensue um and then eventually they end up together at the end i mean um, in the most elaborate plot of all time the most unlikely of circumstances i can't imagine this happening in real life <laughs> oh wait what <laughs> i know Are you trying to say this is a not realistic film yes i'm saying some of the horror movies we watch or more realistic than this movie. Well, I, I mean, uh, sure, maybe not Jack Frost. Uh, but yeah, okay, a lot of them. That a lot of them. A lot of them are. Um, but yes, so there's. Yeah, it's. Uh, I believe. Uh, well, we'll just. I'll roll it. Okay, recap done. I'm just gonna roll in the first thoughts yes. here. Um, essentially, this is like a. Uh, I don't know, a case study in oh, what do you call it? Destiny. I suppose. So where, you know, it's heavily implied that these, that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan are destined to be together, even though both of them have uh, existing mates at the time of this whole occurrence happening. Um, they're still like destined to be together. So they both leave their, their poor mates behind to, to, to move forward with this relationship that they've never met each other. They don't know each other. 
Um, they just feel like they're destined together. And of course we don't get like the actual relationship part of this. We only get like the, you know, the meeting no. garbage. They part. see each other a grand total of three times this entire movie. Well, okay. Three times. It, it sounds like a lot, but we're talking like literally the first two times are like a grand total of mm, three seconds. Yes. Maybe five. Like he, he sees her at an airport and he goes to move to talk to her because he feels drawn to her. Yes. I um, mean, he goes to talk to her and the crowd gets in the way and they, and they lose her. Then he doesn't get to talk to her. The second time is she flies all the way out. Cause she lives in Baltimore. Yes. Uh, she flies all the way to Seattle to go see him. And then literally walks up to him. Uh, like it says, hello. And then, or no, he says, hello. She says, hello back. And then she leaves. That's it. And that, mind you, this is after a day of stalking. <laughs> Well, multiple days. This is this. This was the second day of her stalking him, and then she says hello, and then goes all the way back home. Yes, and talks to her best friend, a a pre out of the closet Rosie O'Donnell, which is interesting to see. <laughs> but I mean, why wouldn't she want to be with Lone Star? I don't know, man. Bill Pullman's a cool <laughs> dude. I mean, they make him into like this, this big dork in this movie. I get it. Like, oh, he's got allergies. Like, oh wow, poor guy. I mean, but they don't. <laughs> he doesn't do anything bad in this movie. He does nothing no. but be like a decent, good dude. But yeah. she's like, but I don't feel any magic, which is uh, okay. Bullshit. Well, uh, yeah, I don't. Well, I don't want to get into this now. This is just first thoughts. We'll get into this when we get to the, okay. the highlight low well, point part well, of it. Let me let me get into my first thought. Yeah. When I have never seen this movie, and yes, we did watch these movies legitimately for this recording. Um, I had never seen this movie. I know bits and pieces of it. And when they're listening to all his allergies, and when he leaves the first, I'm like, he's dead. I'm like, how can he not be dead? Right? He's okay, well, yeah, that everything. Was, that, yeah, that was the interesting <laughs> part. Like the mom and the dad who had just cooked this dinner, right? We're talking like yeah. Christmas dinner where you have like 10 different dishes on the table and mm -hmm. he's just like listing off all these allergies and I'm like, oh, that's strange. Like, you didn't know this shit before he came there? He for sure ate shit he was allergic to. There's no fucking way that all of the food you prepared was made for his, you know, allergies when you didn't even know what they were. Strawberries, like people, gluten, nuts. Right. It's like, okay, I, I, I've had friends that have been like, that allergic to like everything yes. and whenever they ate over at my house they had to bring their own food yes like they could not eat my food because they're allergic to too many things and they can't take the risk so their their mom would literally like pack them a little lunch bag and they would bring <laughs> it over to our house and they would eat that lunch bag at our house because you know obviously to be fair i mean that makes the most sense i mean obviously we don't want the poor kid having a you know an allergic reaction to something in his head <laughs> all talk, up. Yeah. yeah, whatever. I mean, like, I, I'm not prepared to deal with that. I was like eight years old, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I thought get, for I sure he that. died. Well, I yeah, thought for that's sure what I'm saying. I was like, yeah, okay. Tom Hanks' wife died, and then her, you know, husband died, and then that's how we get this whole thing. But no. It's, no. It's even worse. It's just dumber. Yeah. It, it's, yes. <laughs> um, but that's my first thought. I'm like, they're getting killed. Bill Pullman. No. <laughs> No, that's even worse. She, yeah. And I, and then I was for sure, like when he was giving his like speech at the at the kitchen table, 
about like you know them being engaged or whatever i was like he's gonna say this is our independence day <laughs> he's gonna say it because he was he had that same like speech voice on i was like he's gonna yeah. say it he's gonna but, say the thing <laughs> but he, he did not let me down oh and and to to get the title of this uh tom hanks character can't sleep therefore he's sleepless in seattle on the national radio station Oh yeah, this is yeah you know, for all for all your people that have yeah. never listened to the radio before. <laughs> this is like one of those call-in self-help shows nationwide. It's based in Chicago, and they're listening to it in Seattle and Baltimore. So yeah, nationwide radio. You remember like uh uh what the what the hell was that show the 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 show with Doctor Drew or whatever? Oh yeah, like that show was based in Chicago, and it broadcasted nationally i mean it, it did happen <laughs> there wasn't a lot but they were they did exist i just thought it was big stretch but we'll get into those what but so like, hi- <laughs> but highlights for you in this movie uh hi- highlights uh <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't even know i mean <laughs> i don't i honestly don't know. Uh, I I liked. I mean, Meg Ryan was cool. I like. Well, okay. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan were like at the peak of their careers during this time period. Um. Yes. So like, th- this is classic Tom Hanks. I mean, again, peak peak Tom Hanks and peak Meg Ryan. This was like, I mean, how many rom? I mean, they had so many movies together. They had a, a bunch. I don't even know how many. I can think of three off the top of my head, but I don't. I know there's. Probably three, I can only think of two. Joe versus Volcano. Okay, that's the third one. And you've got Mail. Right. I think it's funny that they're in two separate movies. One is based using fax machines, databases, and radio. Next one is AOL Mail. Ten years apart, (laughs) I think. No, it's not that. You've got Mail came out before the end of the 90s. Uh, Okay. Never seen I, th- I think you got mail came out at like the peak of AOL stuff. We're talking like 96, All right, 98, 98. Yeah, yeah, right. So five years apart. Yeah. Yeah. But again, yeah, they were like, again, they were like peak at this time period. So it's interesting seeing them at this peak time period. I mean, their clothes are horrible. Their hair is horrible. I mean, th- I mean, so all that stuff's not good, but it's, it's, it's interesting to see them at their peak. I mean, I guess that's about, it's interesting to see Rosie O'Donnell before she, you know, came out back when she was still, um, I guess, pretending. Um, well, I mean, she's a league of her, her, their own before that. Yeah. And this was what between Philadelphia and like Forrest Gump or Apollo 13. For I Tom? think it's, this is pre both of those movies. Okay. Cause I think Philadelphia was his big switch from like, comedy rom-com to like serious actor was philadelphia yeah, forrest gump was 94 so that was this was right. a year before yeah well forrest gump uh, yeah it's a serious movie but he's it's still a comedic movie. philadelphia was 93 same year really? yeah I, th- I thought it was later um whatever but yeah i mean tom hanks has always been tom hanks he's been great in just about everything he's been in um, and they do, yes. I mean, they do give good performances in this. That, again, it's just a story I don't care about. <laughs> like, I don't care at all. Yeah. But, I mean, I, don't, I guess, 
we're not the target audience so uh no we're we're de- we're definitely definitely not um highlights for me you are talking about the people they're like every single person in this is a known person it feels like oh yeah like, rob ryan every single I forgot Rob, Rob Ryder. Ryder. Rob Ryder is awesome. David Hyde Pierce is in this. Um, mm-hmm. Bill Pullman. Uh, you know, Tom Hanks' wife is in this. Even his other diner guests. These are all people you recognize in later things, too. Right? Um, because, like, the people she's meeting with is, I believe, one of the guys at the initial scene with the guy, you're like, oh, I don't recognize that kind of chubby guy with the thinning hair. But the other guy, I'm pretty sure, was Jamie Lee Curtis's boyfriend, Halloween H2O. Um, are you talking about the guy that was Jennifer Garner's dad in Alias? Because uh, he was he was his friend that was like, remember when the, they were sitting the, at the table the drinking wine? Okay. And the one wife was like crying, describing the movie, and they yeah. were like making fun of her. That guy, that was Jennifer Garner's dad in Alias. No, I'm talking about um, when uh, Meg Ryan had the meeting. With the two guys and Rosie O'Donnell at her. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh I'm pretty sure the one of the guys was in, uh, was the boyfriend of Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween H2O. Mm, That's possible. If I, yeah, that's, that's my guess. I could be completely wrong. Uh, yeah, they, well, the dad from Alias, I know I'm right, but I, yeah, I don't know about the other guy. I don't, I don't, I don't like H2 all that much, so I don't, I don't really care. What? I'm not a big fan of the rapper timeline. Oh, you should be. <laughs> all right, so I mean, yeah, the cast was good, and I like, I was watching with the watch, like, where do I recognize Jonah from? Like, ha, huh, he's the the Jewish boy that kissed Luis, uh, um. Elaine in Seinfeld when he's becoming the man. <laughs> um, the his little girlfriend Jessica isn't everything. Is, Uncle Buck. Well, yeah, I was gonna say she was the younger daughter in Uncle Buck. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's oh, there's a lot of known people. Well, I mean, yeah, this was a big movie, and like ninety ninety three, this was a huge movie. Yes. I was, uh, I believe I was a freshman in high school when it came out. Uh, I was not. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you was, you was a little baby <laughs> in a little crib. Um, so let's get into the low points. Obviously, we have low points, right? Yeah. Um, uh, low point number one. Uh, the Empire State Building CGI graphics were horrendous, even for 1993. I mean, it looked like you could see that cut a mile away. It was terrible. It wasn't even like the same color as the as like the, anything around it. It was horrible. Yeah. I mean, I guess this isn't like an effects movie, but like Jesus, if you only have one effect in the whole freaking movie, you think you can like make it work slightly better than that? <laughs> it was horrible. Uh, yeah. I'll I'll go with one of my little points. We'll just go back and forth here. Um, now, while her computer wasn't as awesome as Brendel Fry's, right, and the fly, still, I want to know what the hell she was using to just find and type in, you know, Sam 
uh, Baldwin. Samuel Baldwin, yes. Samuel Baldwin. That just type it in, and boom, here's everything about him. Like, I, I understand well, she's working again, at a newspaper or something. Well, they're, really they're just they're just trying to move the plot along. I get that, but again, at least it didn't do what so many other movies in the eighties and nineties do. Where like they they assume that all computers are like super AIs, and you yeah. just type in tap 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 some open ended question, and it just starts answering, and it starts giving you scenarios on how to resolve things. Like again, like you talked about in the fly. Like again, he was like <laughs> talking to it like it was a living person. Yes, and it was like giving him ideas if it was thinking of it on its own. It's like okay, you did not develop an AI in 1986. I'm sorry, and I'm sorry if he did. That's a bigger that's a bigger invention than the teleporter right exactly i'm like the, the how advanced that computer was is a hell of a lot better than teleporting someone across a room yes um but yeah no i mean obviously this is you know they're they're just trying to move the plot along at least they did like where she typed in find samuel baldwin and it was like you know a thousand entries found and at least she had to like narrow it down by like putting in arguments and like you know, Chicago, you know, just stuff like that. Like she had to put in like his job and the town he was from. Right. Yeah. Is this overly generic? Is this beyond the capabilities of the time? Absolutely. But at least they tried at least somebody that knows anything (laughs) about databases was like, hold on. You can't ask a computer questions here. At least do this. Well, that's what I'm looking at. I'm like, what database is she connected to? That's like police level data. <laughs> okay, to be fair, here's 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 what it is. The article that she pulled up where she found information about him was an obituary. She works at a newspaper. So this may have just been a database that, again, ahead of its time for 1993. I'm not denying that. It was a database of all of the articles that the newspaper has put out. So if they was able to search in names and stuff like that and pull it back, you know, because if you looked in the in the um, in the obituary, the keywords of Chicago and architect were both in there, along with the names of him and his son. So technically searching the name of him, the name of his son, the city he was from and his job title brought up that obituary, which may have been an obituary in the paper that she worked at. That. They published something in Chicago? Correct. I mean, it might have been a multi-paper thing. I mean, a lot of companies own a lot of different newspapers. And if they want their people to be, you know, functional, they would want to connect all their newspapers together so they could search, you know, all the newspapers that at least that company owns. It would probably be all newspapers, but, you know, we all know how corporations get with their data sometimes. So it might have just been all the corporations, you know, all the newspapers that like one particular, you know, company owned or something. Right. But to be fair, again, that did not exist in 1993. I'm not denying that. I'm not trying to defend that. I'm just saying at <laughs> least they thought at least like that one tiny step ahead. Yeah. Whereas most computers in the 80s and 90s, it would just like literally type in like, how do I fix problem A? <laughs> you know, and then it's like, beep, boop, boop, you do this. And then like, that was it. It would like move the plot along. The computer just tells you what to do. Again, it's even in the Unix fly system, <laughs> oh, right? And that was it. Yeah, it was a Jurassic Park. It had like a fully 3D animated <laughs> interface 
and fucking like okay sure uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> hold on to your butts um but yeah no i mean obviously that's like that's where computers really were in this stage and to have something that yeah i, I agree with you it does not exist it probably would not have existed for a while <laughs> but at least it was somebody thinking like okay this is how it would probably be if it did exist yeah so at least i'll give them that all right, let's get to your second low point. Uh, I mean, my my main problem with this is the whole idea of, like, you fill people's head with this garbage of, like, everybody has a destiny, right? Everybody has yep. a fated person that they're supposed to find and supposed to be with. Um, I mean, this has ruined so many people, you know, so many people that watch this garbage and 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 believe it and think this is real life, you know? Yes. And then they like they meet a person and they're like, yeah, this person's okay. But I like, you know, I touched his hand and I didn't feel magic. There wasn't any magic. So I just, I don't want to be with them anymore because it's not magic. You know, it's like they think there's this like mystical thing that's going to happen to you that you're going to know this is the person for you. I mean, you know, people say that shit all the time. Like, oh, I knew it from the moment I met her. Like, no, you, no, you didn't. <laughs> You no. felt you felt the attraction to her, of course, because that is what starts the whole process. But you did not know that you were going to get along with this person for the next few decades, right? Yeah, and especially especially nowadays, where you know women don't get trapped into marriages for long periods of time simply because it was like uncouth to get a divorce. And now, in, a, in the day and age, if you can get a divorce, it like surprise, the divorce rate is like through the freaking roof, right? Because, yeah, once this shit wears off and you realize you can't be with this person long term, yeah, you break it off and you leave and it gets ugly and terrible. But again, you know, this magic that everybody that they're fucking talking about in this movie, this destiny of like, oh, as soon as they saw each other, they knew they were supposed to be together. And they tried to push that shit when you saw her at the airport, you know, when they saw each other in the street, all that kind of shit. Like they were you, you, you knew that they were, oh, they knew they were supposed to be together. And it's bullshit. It's just it's just a big line of bullshit that everybody who watches this crap and loves this movie buys into. And this yes. is just perpetuating it. You know, it just this is the way love is supposed to be. You're supposed to meet that person and you're supposed to be hypnotized by them, you know. And when you finally touch their hand, it's magic lightning bolts fly through your whole body. And it's bullshit. Called lust. And, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like this shit doesn't exist, man. I mean, we're you know. Again, there's always going to be initial attraction. That's, again, what draws you to a person. What a person is attracted to is totally different, right? Everybody's yep. attracted to different shit. That's why there's different strokes for different folks, different kinds of people for everybody. But when you meet a person, yes, that is an initial attraction. That is your reptile brain saying, yep, you know, let's do this. Let's boom. Yeah, like <laughs> moving forward in a relationship, that is like reason and willpower, right? Like keeping that thing together. Is, is kind of going against human nature in general. But, you know, if you really care about, you know, your family, that person, and you want to stick together and make your own little family, you can make it work. You can make it happen. But that initial attraction is by no way going to dictate how the rest of your relationship is going to go. And this is the bullshit that they feed to people is like, oh, it's magic. You'll know when you see them. You'll know when you touch them. It's yeah. all bullshit. Well, and to that point, which is funny because... They they continued that perpetuation because in the movie they're watching Meg Ryan and Rose are watching a movie that's fate and destiny. For, that's a uh, 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 Clark uh, Grant, Harry Grant. Yeah, Harry Grant. Grant is in the movie. I don't even know the name of the movie because they never actually said the name of the movie. No, 
They just kept but, describing it. They kept saying Cary Grant was in it, and they kept describing it. I think they said who's the co-star, Deborah Kerr or Deborah Carr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't, I don't know what movie it is because I've never seen it, obviously, and I didn't care to look it up. So I don't know what movie it's from. But they're talking about how, yeah, like the Empire State Building. They're supposed to meet on the Empire State Building, and she got hit by a car. Yeah, and so they like they didn't meet because. I right. guess she got hit by a car and they couldn't meet whatever. I don't even I don't know what the movie is. I don't care. I don't want to watch it. But that was that they were trying to say that this is the great love story of our time. Like we love this movie. Right. And then it then it this movie in itself became that movie for people. Right. But again, but, they're also like, oh, men don't get this movie. Like only what you know, they're again that well, this is ninety three. So I guess the, the gender roles were still being pushed pretty hard at this point in time. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there's several scenes where they're like, you know, they go, oh, men just don't understand this movie. Or the, you know, when the, the one wife is explaining the movie and she's crying. Yes. And then, you know, Tom Hanks and the dad from Alias are just like, oh, yeah, she does this. Oh, she gets emotional. Yeah. Yeah. It's, again, stupid bullshit. It's, it's just perpetuating an old fashioned lie. But I guess in 93. This is like the status quo. That's what they were pushing. I mean, you can't have an, a successful rom com if you don't stick in the main lane, right? <laughs> you yeah. Can't go, you can't go too far outside of that lane, or else you're going to lose your core audience. Yes. Once so, again, not us. Right. Again, <laughs> yeah, we are in no way <laughs> in this demographic. <laughs> All right. Any more low points, or should we move on? Um. <sighs> I mean, they're all basically spinoffs of the same thing of yep. perpetuating bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's do number of destinies out of 10, shall we? <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, are we oh, okay? Are we grading this on a horror scale? <laughs> or yes, are we grading how, this on an overall scale? How horrifying is this movie? Out of 10? <laughs> well, I, okay. I mean, that's not fair either. I'd say, I mean, on a horror scale, I mean, of course, we have to go a zero, right? Because there's nothing <laughs> horror in this movie at all. There's not even like a jump scare anywhere in this movie. There's nothing. So, again, <laughs> well, grading it on the horror scale that we have been grading <laughs> movies on, this has to be a zero. I'm not saying it is that bad of a movie. It is not my movie, but obviously, this movie is good enough to have. People still talk about it now. Yes. So it has to be okay to a degree. Um, but yeah, I would say on a, on a horror scale, a zero, because <laughs> this is not a horror movie. <laughs> okay. So do you want to do just a, then a generic movie scale as well? I mean, um, I mean, is this my personal <laughs> opinion? Okay. So if, if I'm grading this on a, a general scale, now it depends on if, if, uh, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter if it's my personal opinion or, or, or overall. Um, uh, okay, this is my personal opinion. How much do I like this movie? I have to deduct a lot of points for all the bullshit that it propagates. Um, <laughs> yeah, again, just like the stupid, you know, gender stereotypes of like women cry at movies and men don't. And they mm -hmm. have to make fun of women for doing so. This whole destiny and magic bullshit. The whole like oh, if you feel like you, a magic connection to someone, like, leave the person that you're planning on spending the rest of your life with and just, you know, just cut all ties with them, even though they're, like, you know, 
ingrained with your family and everything like that. Oh no, just drop it because you know you feel this connection with someone who you've never met, never spoken to. You know the you know whatever. Listen to him on the radio for twenty minutes. Right? Yeah, it's 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 ridiculous if you if you look at the, you know the 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 plot of the movie, everything that actually happens in the movie. It's it's completely and utterly ridiculous, in my personal opinion. So, um, I would give it, I don't know, a one. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm with you across the board on this zero for <laughs> horror, one as a movie because good. Really again, not. again, the, the, the performance is good. Sure, I mean, was a good scene. Rob Reiner, I think the scene where you know the couple of scenes Rob Reiner was in were fantastic. Um, I think I think like Tom Hanks did a great performance. Meg Ryan was great in in her role, but again, I deducting points for all that stupid bullshit <laughs> brings yes. it down to a one. Yes. All right. Well, enough about this one. Let's get on um, to yeah. Well, so I now, consider the scariest movie of all time. <laughs> now we move on to uh, the Notebook. What year did this come out? Two thousand four. Two thousand four. So about eleven years later. Yes. Um, okay, so we're looking at the 10,000-foot view of this movie is um, there's a, a couple <laughs> that have, like, a, a summer fling where they were, like, madly, madly in love. They break it off in, like, whatever, you know, bad terms. Now, bear in mind, this takes place in 1940. Oh, sorry, yes, 1940. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, after the war and after everything else... Um, they meet up again, like what, like what, a decade later? Maybe not even a decade later. Like five years. Yeah, some something like that. A number of years later, they meet up again, and they realize that, you know, they're both on a path that they weren't really happy with. They wanted to get back together, so they got to get together. Um, this is all wrapped up in a movie form of uh, an old man is telling a story to an old woman, and basically over the course of the story, we find out that the this old man and this old woman are the couple in the story, but the woman has uh dementia to where she can't remember her, the past. Yes. And he is telling her the story of their lives, even though she doesn't remember it. And then yeah. at the very end, when he finishes the story, she is able to remember, um, you know, that it's them, but she only comes back for like a couple of minutes before she drops, you know, goes back into dementia zone and can't remember anything. Um, and that's when we find out that she wrote the book and she told him, if you read me this book, I'll remember. And so he, he reads her the book. I don't know if they insinuate like it's an everyday thing. Or... I don't I don't think it's a 51st date type thing. I think yeah, this is... again, I don't I don't think it's an everyday thing. Maybe maybe like a once a week thing. Or something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. They don't they don't say they don't give you a timeline. I think they kind of sort of insinuate that it's an everyday thing because they're trying to push that heavy romantic theme. Right. Um. But again, they don't actually say so like, yeah, she doesn't remember her own kids. She doesn't remember him. Nothing like that. But telling her this story at the end of the night, she remembers for like five minutes and then she goes back and resets. And so like, you know, repeat ad infinitum. Blah, well, blah. No. Uh, didn't they die at the end? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, maybe. That's how I took it. They like <laughs> they were both. Well, yeah, they, they were like, oh, it's and... o- yeah, it's okay to give up or whatever. But they don't. They don't actually die. We don't see a flat line. We don't see doctors come in, and we all oh. know that if someone doesn't die on screen, they're not dead. So that's the rule that I go with. 
<laughs> this movie, I don't give a shit, and I don't want to push that rule because that is the rule. No, I'm, I'm looking at synopsis. They kiss. She recognizes them again. They kiss, fall asleep. Maureen nurse discovers they're both dead in their sleep. They, they died. Whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> fucking matter. <laughs> I, that's yeah. the story. So... <laughs> Uh, that that's the story. The ten thousand foot view of the story. Uh, your first thoughts, graveyard. What are they? In okay, this this is part of why I say this is one of the most terrifying movies of all time. Is the dementia part the the losing your sanity, your brain? That is something I actually do fear. Is having like getting dementia to the point where I don't know who I am. Anymore. Right. Well, yeah, that that would be terrifying for me because most of the games that I like to play uh-huh. uh, take like you know at least like forty to fifty hours to beat. Right. Yeah. Which means I can't beat them in one day. Which means if I have to restart the same fucking game every day, <laughs> I will never ever get to finish anything, and that would be that would suck. Yes. So good part, I get to replay all my old games that I really love, and and, and see them <laughs> as new. Bad part is I never get to finish them because I keep forgetting what I'm doing. Yes. Um, and it's it's yeah. So terrifying for me. It's you know someone watched it uh, when it came out. They're like, oh, <clears throat> I want you to you should watch this movie. We'll suggest movies back and forth. Okay, okay, cool. And uh, when I was a bank teller, this my coworker suggested this to me. I go, what the hell did I do to you? <laughs> um, um, so I made him watch Evil Dead in retaliation. That's not retaliation. That's just oh, edu- education. To them, it was. <laughs> well, that's not retaliation. That's education. Yes. Uh, um, and, no, I I watched it uh, simply because I had a live-in lady friend at the time, and mm-hmm. uh, I think everybody that had a live-in lady friend at the time had to watch this movie. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yep. And so I was one of the <laughs> the many many millions of people that were forced to watch it. So. Yes. Yeah, it it the like I said the dementia idea of it the uh, the quirkiness. I mean, at least we can just kind of roll into the highlights, I guess. Um, contrary to what we said about Sleepless in Seattle, this actually their argument they have in the middle of this movie is this is what we do: we fight, we live together, we work out. This is what a relationship is. That's more realistic. Than hearing some person's voice on the radio being infatuated, flying across the entire country and, and falling madly in love with them on first sight, right? Um, yeah, okay, but there's also there's also this, right? Uh, you being madly in love with someone when you're 17 years old, um, and then coming back to that person a decade later, uh, you are not going to be in the same mindset. At no. there is a lot of changes that happened in that time period especially because both characters went to war in this movie both characters yes she was only a nurse but she saw a lot of injured messed up amputee explosion shit like she was scarred as just as bad right um you know he saw his friend die again that stuff changes you man i mean changes you on a fundamental level they would not be the same people and they've been separate for years they would be totally different people so like them like just reconnecting and be like hey we're like you know we're just as in love as we were before is just completely unrealistic yes 
But again, this is again, we're not the target demographic for this. The tar- tar- target demographic for this likes to believe that magical love exists. So the same bullshit that happens in, in Sleepless in Seattle. Like, magical love. Like, oh, you'll know when they're the one. I mean, Summer Loving had me some fun. Uh, that's yes. Uh so that this was the second time watching this for me as well. And you know, when I was when I watched it, I watched it with, you know, my then girlfriend now wife. Uh you know, she liked it, but you know, we, we could have called this easily called this episode White People Almost Kissing poster episode. Because <laughs> it, it's all that the, all all these are. Right. Well that that's the genre, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and like I said, we're not target demographic, but I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it's still, I was going to low points. It's still just that idea that it, even we're looking at this 11 years later that from Sleepless in Seattle, that the tropes are still there. Well, everything's got, still there. Uh, newsflash for you, everybody. The tropes are still there. <laughs> the tropes are not going anywhere. You could go back a hundred years and they're still going to be the same bullshit. I'm sure they had silent movie rom-coms that are now lost to time because <laughs> nobody gave a shit then. Nobody gives a shit now, but I'm sure they existed back then. You know, like the, the silent movies with the piano and the little shit that comes up on screen. <laughs> the little shit that comes up on screen is be like, you're my destiny. I'm leaving my husband for you. You know, whatever. It's going to be the same garbage because it's, it's always been the same garbage. Yeah, because people like to believe in this this magical love that's going to you know consume you and tell you what's what to do and what you should do. Um, at least I'll give it this. Okay, I don't know if this is a highlight or not. I mean, sure, it might as well. Be. <laughs> as long as you know, they did have a moment where she was like, oh, "I don't know what I should do." Right? At least acknowledging that there was a choice involved. Like she had a, you know, a life, a fiance, a, a direction she was moving towards. And then she went back to like reignite this old flame. Right. Um, at least she knew at that point that she had a choice. Right. Yes. Um, at least they say that, you know, I mean, like in, in Sleepless in Seattle, there was no choice at all. It was only destiny. Right. That's it. Right. Like as soon as they met each other, their other mates were just literally disappeared. Like they did no longer existed in the rest of the movie. Yes. Granted, it was at the end anyway. But again, it was, you know, she broke up with her boyfriend, like literally, or sorry, her fiance and gave him back his ring before he even she even met the guy. Is yeah. okay, ridiculous. Anyway, that's the other movie. But at least this movie, they 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 recognize it. Um you know, I mean, yeah, he did a lot of things. He's he was obviously still pining for her. Um, you know, he built her everything that he promised her back when they were seventeen years old, which yeah, I guess is a rarity for that stuff to come true. But well, love at seventeen is infatuation more than anything. Else. I mean, of course, <laughs> at it best. is. Love at seventeen is pure hormones, dude. Yes, I mean. For both sides. I'm not saying just for men. No, I'm saying for both sides. There is hormones going crazy, man. I mean, it's like, you know, when you go into a mad scientist lab and there's just like smoke spewing out and like foam and all kinds of crazy shit. That's like what's happening inside of 17 year old bodies. It's just there's craziness happening. You can't base life choices based on the things that you (laughs) feel when you're 17 years old. It just you can't do that. Uh, you know, they, they again, they, they, they were tempered in life. They went to war. Like they, all of these things happened and they came back and just went into the same garbage. 
Um, again, it's it's just this this idealized, um, you know, super love that I I don't know. I don't I don't think it exists. Relationships take a lot of work. You know what I mean? If you want things to last for a long term, it's not magical love that gets you there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's you know willpower and reasoning and compromise. You know they, these things are that, that's the stuff that gets you long term. You know this, these, yeah. this hormonal love is only going to get you through the first couple of years at best. Yeah, I, I'd say it, that that idea in people's heads to romanticize about it is pretty harmful because it, therefore, if you lose that spark, you lose the magic, then you shouldn't be with them. Instead of working on it, that you have to have that feeling all the time, right? Is absurd, right? Um. So yeah. So, so I mean, low points. I mean, poor Martha, poor Cyclops, right? What's wrong with Cyclops? That's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they they thought, okay, Cyclops thought he had his life all set up, right? I mean, her parents loved him, and every sorry, Cyclops is is uh, Rachel McAdams, yeah, uh, you know, fiance that she left to go yeah. back to Ryan Gosling with. Um, but yeah, like he was like the guy that I mean, he was like he was great with her. Like he never cheated on her. He never treated her oh. badly. You know, he always treated her with the respect she deserves. Like even when she comes in and interrupts him at work, he like he tells everybody to leave and, and focuses on her immediately. Like he seems to be a genuinely good dude. Um, right. And yeah. He just gets left behind because she's like, oh, I have this 17 year old love affair that I never fully consummated. I need to go do that before we can get married. And then she just never comes back, essentially. Right. Um, and then poor Martha, who is the girl that was with um, Ryan Gosling, you know, when he was like still pining after this woman, like literally spending his life rebuilding this house so that she would come back to him. Which I guess ultimately worked, right? But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, but she was like, she seemed like a genuinely great person. You know, she was like trying to do like everything. She like brought over food for him and stuff like that. She seemed to be super nice. Like even when she came over and she was there, they still like had a nice night together and stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's how nice of a person she was. And then she just like leaves, and you know, it's like see you later, never. Well, it's because she knew, you know, because you know. They're boning, and she, you know, she lost her husband in the war. Yeah, she was a war widow, right? Yeah, and so they're just there for each other. But she knew that, you know, when you look into my eyes, you think about someone else. Well, I mean, okay, <laughs> to be to be fair, Ryan Gosling told her this. Like he yeah. straight up said, "Like <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm, I can't be the person you want me to be. Like I don't feel that way towards you." At least he was honest about that. I just, again, I just feel bad for her. Yes. You know, he did the right thing by saying like, yeah, you're good for a bone, but like, you know, I, I don't, I don't see anything long-term with you. You're just here to keep me company while right. I'm waiting for my <laughs> other lady to come back. And she, I mean, again, and she knew that, but it's still sad. Yes. I still feel bad for him. You know, they, again, they both seemed like good sports that just kind of walked away and moved on. But again, I still feel bad for him. I hope they found each other. Yes. In this world, anything's possible. Right. right. That's what this movie tells us. Yeah. I mean, if Cyclops can can look at you with regular eyes and not burn through the back of your head, then anything's possible. Exactly. Or if he gets over his programming of being a, a replicant. Right. Well, I mean, okay. You know, <laughs> I know you never saw Westworld, so I'm going to ruin a, a part of it for you. I've seen uh, the first season and a half. Oh, okay. Well, then you already know that Cyclops is in that, and he also falls in love and then doesn't 
get to carry through with his right. love in that either. And he gets essentially used <laughs> by by the woman to do what she wants to do and, and doesn't like, you know, reciprocate. So wait a minute. X Men Last Stand, he madly loves Gene and Gene just kills him. Okay. Well or James yeah. Marsden. <laughs> well Yeah, to be fair, she was you know, Gene was probably gonna go with Wolverine anyway. Yes. Because I mean who wouldn't go with Hugh Jackman in that movie, right? He was right. shredded. I mean, he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who wouldn't? I mean, you know, you have a choice between yeah James Marsden and Hugh Jackman at his prime. Where are you going to go? Of course, right. So, so yeah, poor James Marsden. He always gets he the shaft and all of them. He does. Uh, so, any other little points? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I could go on forever. But yeah, no, those are the ones. Those are the ones I'm going to focus on. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just this is. I don't even consider a rom com. I don't think there was comedy in it. Do you? Um, I mean, there was a little bit, but yeah, you're talking. This is probably just straight up uh, romantic drama. Yeah. I mean, this. Yeah, that's just death. I mean, yeah, there's not much to it. Uh, I mean, yeah, Sleepless in Seattle had a lot of jokes back and forth, so I guess that's more of a rom-com. But, yeah, this one really doesn't. I mean, there's a couple of jokes here and there, but not enough to keep you going. Yeah, I think this revitalized the whole romance novel wave, and it became mainstream again. Uh, I don't. I don't I don't think it was uh I think it was around before this and I think it's been around after this. I think this was just a very very successful version of it. Yeah. If not right. the most successful version of it. <sighs> People still talk about this movie. They talking about 50 shades of gray. Best one, right? Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, highlight would be the bombs exploding when he was in war because it was the only like sort of actiony part that happened in the entire movie and then the low part is like his best friend died and it was probably like the weakest death scene i've seen in any movie ever oh uh, and he just looks away oh well yeah he like yeah he, he's like looking at him like oh and then he like looks away and he comes back and he's just dead and that's it there's yep. no like there's not even like an emotional scene where he's upset about it it's just like cut hard cut Cyclops is injured in the hospital. <laughs> like, yeah. What is happening? My best friend, he's oh a squirrel. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's we, dead. Yeah, we don't see that we don't see that Ryan Gosling's character again until he's out of the army. Like literally just right. cuts that far ahead. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. That's right. He's dead now. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Yeah. Uh <laughs> it's supposed to be an emotional movie to your best friend literally dying in your arms, you think would be like a big scene. Right. Yeah. That's nothing. That's nothing compared to, uh, you know, painting topless. Yes. That's, I mean, how else would you paint? I mean, that's how (laughs) I paint. Exactly. All right. So we'll do the horror destinies out of 10. I'm assuming zero as well. Even well I mean, it has to be. <laughs> nothing, there's nothing horror in this. Part. The only thing that happens that might even be considered horror is all the bombs dropping. But it's like it's literally followed up so closely by the worst death scene I've ever seen that it gets zero points for the horror factor. Or Kevin um, Conley. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, they're just just bad. I mean, at this one, I think is probably even worse than than Sleepless in Seattle, because, again, there was all those good things going for it. And I got points deducted this one gets all those points deducted and i don't think there's anything left no i mean no. i think it's it's i think it's a double lot <laughs> yeah 
But I mean, it has. <laughs> oh, absolutely! It it, it is art. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. It really is. It, I, don't, it's, I mean, I've seen worse, but like, again, I would give it some points for like performance. I mean, like Ryan Gosling, I think did a good job in this. Rachel McAdams, I think did a good job in this. Um, like her parents played very, you know, great, like snooty Southern uptight, you know, rich people and stuff. I mean, again, there's some good performances and stuff in there, but there is so many things that take away points. There, there's nothing left. Yeah. There's just, there's nothing left. I hope I never have to watch this movie again. I hope so too. I thought <laughs> I thought I was done after the first time, but I had to come back. Bring me back. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah. So I think this is a good uh, uh April Fool's Day episode. Oh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. We're 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 not gonna do rom coms next year, I can tell you that much. No? Now, I have other things in mind. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh, I know what I know what it should be. We should be doing musicals. Oh, that or <laughs> children horror movies. No. No, 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 no. No. We're doing musicals. All right. So won't you go ahead and bring us out there? Sir? Uh sure. Uh join us next week. Well, not really next week. <laughs> this is kind of a bonus in a couple episode. of days. So, yeah, so join us at our next, you know, normally scheduled time. Uh, we get back to our normal reviews, and we're discussing um, movies that have ladies' full names in the titles, um, and, and in the same vein as an example of uh, the autopsy of Jane Doe. Um, you'll see the other two in that list uh, next time the episode comes out. Um, so until then, I will say this is Salem saying, "Long live the new flesh." And this is Graveyard saying, have you checked in the filter? Good night. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>